Welcome to another episode of Calvary Life. I'm Paul Thompson. And I'm Charles Uptain. And we have a special guest with us today representing our women's ministry here at Calvary. This is Jamie Perry. Uh, Jamie, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody a little bit? Um, just tell them about yourself and, and maybe why you're doing it. Tell them a little bit about our, our women's ministry team and how that came to be and kind of what you guys do as a women's ministry team. Okay, yes, I wear kind of a lot of different hats. I'm wife to Tommy. He's on staff here as director of missions. Uh, we've been married 24 years and have four wonderful children, two in college and two still at home. So we homeschool, so I do that as well as work part-time outside the home. Um, I have served as the leader of the women's ministry team for about five or six years now. So I'm thankful to use my gifts in that role, but it really is a team effort. We have a fabulous group of women that do just a variety of gifts that help our ministry do what it does. You know, I was thinking from Sunday, I couldn't be here Sunday. I had another another one of these eye surgeries, so trying to put all this stuff behind me. But I was listening online, listening to Dan. Of course, the text I had prepped for uh, from First Timothy, I mean, Second Timothy in chapter 2, and you've got this beautiful picture of mentoring there and Timothy being to, to Paul like a son, Paul to Timothy like a father. And, you know, Dan spoke of it some yesterday, just the need for those sort of relationships. It's, it's one thing to have the teaching, and, and Paul emphasizes the teaching so strongly in First and Second Timothy and in Titus and the need for solid teaching. But he does that alongside of the need for relational mentoring, just life-on-life life kind of mentoring. And, and Jamie, I wonder if maybe you could speak to that just a little bit, just the need for that. You know, we, we try to do these programs in the church. We set up discipleship, disciple groups, small groups, et cetera. But just the need for, and I hate to use the term, it's a little bit overused, but just the need for organic sort of mentoring, women with women. Can you, can you talk about how that's happening at Calvary and how, what we can be doing to see more of that? Yeah, so if you look at Titus 2, the older women are commanded to teach the younger women uh, what is good so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. And so in order for women to teach, um, I think they need to be trained and they need proper role models. So we need to see other women studying the scriptures for themselves and confident in explaining it to others so that others can understand. Um, so I think women need spaces where they can do this from and with other women and not just on the female issues, but on the Bible as a whole, on that sound doctrine that he's referring to. Uh, Julia Higgins has an excellent book, Empowered and Equipped. I would heartily recommend it to really all women, but especially those that have a desire to teach. Um, but she says this, when a woman stands and teaches the Bible, the women who watch and hear another woman who is capable of discerning and articulating the meaning of the Bible hopefully will be enlightened to the idea that she too should take seriously the study of the scriptures. The women's ministry is the avenue to facilitate this type of teaching for the women of the church and can be accomplished through special events and Bible studies. So I think, I mean, yes, women sit under the preaching of God's word in corporate worship, right? And we get taught that way. And some of the teaching that Titus 2 refers to is done very naturally in the context of relationships and one-on-one -on -one conversations and that sort of thing. Uh, but I do think it's vital to create time and space for those relationships to form in the first place. Uh, where women meet together, centered around the Word of God, and then take what they learn to their neighbors and their friends and their co-workers. And that's a picture of, again, what Dan was talking about a little bit yesterday, the idea of taking what's true about the Scriptures and applying them to life um, and having people that you trust that, that can do that. And, you know, you made a good point there, Jamie. It's, it's not just the so-called women's issues. I was reading some, some Twitter dialogue the other day about... Um, about modesty and how the pastor should be addressing modesty from the pulpit. And several people wrote back, and I thought, wisely so, the best 
conversations about modesty really need to happen woman to woman. It needs sure. to be that. It needs to be that mothering, spiritually mothering woman speaking to that younger woman about the value of modesty and what that what that means. And that comes better from you than it does for me. But again, it's not just about you know just about the so-called women's issues, how to be a better wife, how to be a, a better mother. But taking these texts of scripture, like you guys are getting ready to dive into the deep waters of the New Testament in the book of Romans. Yes. So as you dive into Romans, it's not just about, uh, you know, here's another spin or here's another angle on Romans. I think the focus and the value for the women that will be in the Romans Bible study is, okay, we're going to study these critical doctrines of the faith, the most doctrinal book in the New Testament, and we're going to talk about how this bears on life. How do, how do we live this? So I guess it kind of begs a bigger question, Jamie. If anybody's listening, asking, wondering, what's the point of having a unique woman's ministry? So you know, if you, you've got small groups, um, you've got hopefully quality teaching from whomever is going to be teaching from our pulpit. What's unique about women's ministry? Why have a women's a ministry specifically aimed mm-hmm. at, at women? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I really think you have to go back to Genesis, like so many other things, to the creation account. God made us male and female, and we are both created in his image. And so we're equal value, equal worth, but we're unique in our roles and in ways that we reflect our creator. So, like, I think if, you know, somehow the church was made up of only males or only females, that we would not fully reflect his image like we do together. Um, that's his design. And so to be a healthy church, I think we need both our men and our women flourishing. If we believe that men and women are created different, it only makes sense that they would be discipled different. So, you know, we also have unique and specific needs as women. So when we got started, we really just looked at the needs of our women and tried to identify some gaps that were maybe there and just ask, you know, how do we meet those needs with a ministry that falls under the leadership of the pastors and elders? So over the last five, maybe maybe that's not exact right number, but say five years or so, we really had a solid emphasis on D groups and things like that. Uh, Jamie, what what's changed? Like, what have you seen? What have we learned? What's evolving in, in how we're discipling women? What's happening in those D groups? Like, what are we doing better? Or what, have, what are we not doing that we were doing? You know, how's this getting, how's this growing and developing here? I think, um, yeah, our, our Bible studies have been that time and place where women can connect and I think form those relationships so that I know who to go to when I need that mentoring. Does that make sense? And so I, I, I see that younger mom there that I need to pour into. So I think that has helped with that, um, forming those relationships. And the D groups have certainly played a part in that. And, um, you know, accountability and prayer and growing super close to a, to a few people. Um, but also I think some of our events like Coffee and Connect are designed, you know, to connect women of all ages. So, you know, sometimes with a church our size, you may... Um, only get to know those people that are in your life group or D group or people you sit around in corporate worship. And so we designed Coffee and Connect to be a time where all women are invited of all ages. And um, just really, you know, we have a panel of like three to five women and they come and we ask them questions and get to know them. And then we all sit at tables and we ask each other questions and get to know one another. And sometimes we make you move tables. And so we um, just really fostering those relationships between older and younger. That, that kind of echoes back to something we've said in staff for, for a long time, really, for at least a decade, that we really don't want to be a homogenous church. Mm-hmm. We won't, don't want to be multi, I mean, we don't want to be uh, just singularly uh, generational. We want to have young and old and, and be a church for the ages, for all ages. And there's some, that's some of the value that you're talking about there. Um, 
you, you mentioned some specific discipleship distinctions. Besides the fact that women seem to more naturally just get together, like I know in my wife's D groups, they naturally get together and they really miss it when they're not together. And they're texting and calling and they're engaged in each other's lives and they're praying for each other and they know what's going on in their families and all that. Besides women who seem to be a lot better at just easing into relationships, what else would you say is unique for discipling women? Um, so I think women need to be shepherded. They need to be um, under the care of pastors and elders. And so, you know, women need pastors and elders that care enough to know what women are reading and what's being pushed on us from, I guess, the outside as well as the inside of the church. So before we do anything here, uh, we take our curriculum to the staff and elders and get get approval for that. Um, so I think we need to be shepherded. I think another aspect of shepherding could be training specifically for women, you know, a lot of women have a desire to learn um, on a deeper level, but not the. it doesn't fit in their schedule or they don't have just the availability to do seminary like men might. And so I think identifying those women with those gifts of teaching and leadership and then coming alongside and training them uh, so that they you know, can teach what the church believes as a whole. I think training is an important part of shepherding. And then, of course, like we mentioned, shepherding is, is women to women um, in a mentoring way as well. Have you seen a challenge or you, do you encounter women that are being influenced by, you know, stuff that's reading, pop stuff, contemporary Christian stuff that you kind of recall against a little bit? And you say, oh, there's, there's a lot better stuff out there than that. Absolutely. And just helping point them to the right people sometimes? <laughs> I think so. And that's really what we've done. Instead of just calling out everything that you're not supposed to read, it's really just give them a diet of the good, solid, rich studies. And I think that has proven to be effective. I think women start to see and hunger for, wow, this Bible study is rich, and I learn more about this book than I ever have, and about the God of this book, you know, studying it in context um, than I have before with this other study. So I think a lot of that really does happen if you just expose them to the right um, and good stuff. Yeah, over the years, I think we've really fallen prey to the uh, most well-known names, the big conference speakers, uh, the ones that are promoted the most, you know, for a long time, whatever Lifeway yes. was promoting to, to Southern Baptists and things like this. And and I, I think, you know, it's, it's encouraging to me to see our women's ministry leading out in this, but a lot of our women just now just moving towards stuff that's just so much more, I don't know, more solid, mm-hmm. more beneficial, more, you know, more, more legit. Um, you know, Charles, now we were talking about this several weeks ago and, and, big push for what men need to be doing in the church, men stepping up and things like that. And Charles, one of the reasons we wanted to have this conversation with Jamie about women is we wanted to talk about things women need to be involved in and can be involved in and places they can serve, plug in, lead out, that sort of thing. So speak to that just a little bit. Where are some opportunities for women right now that we really want to encourage women to to play a role in, to be yeah. a part of? Well, you know, I'm, I'm sitting over here and, and the thing that just keeps coming to my mind over and over again, I guess it maybe it's the first time I really thought about it like this, but you know, our, our mission efforts right now, um, especially our international mm-hmm. missions have really been women focused. Um, if you think about, I know Jamie, Jamie and I went to Guatemala, mm-hmm. uh, this past year and, um, you know, the women's ministry there, I think is actually probably, um, where the more effort is being put in and the more producti- productivity is being put in than actually the men's ministry mm-hmm. there. Would you agree with that, Jamie? I would, yeah. That was such a blessing to be able to minister to our partners there as well as the women. Um, you know, we did everything from serving food to a Q&A time with their young adult females and 
Um, so mission trips, that is an excellent example of something that's not a women's ministry event, but it is a way, it is a ministry to women. Yeah, that and of church. course, you know, Kenya just got back, and of course we led the women's, you know, conference there and of course took women to teach and do those kind of things. So that's that's one area I would say. Mm-hmm. I, I know that's maybe far off and, and it's a select group because you have to, you know, uh, be ready for a mission trip to get there. But I think I think that's one place that I think we can elevate um, what women are doing to to share the gospel and to be about the partnerships that we have across the world. And and so I'm sure Tommy's the same way. You know, when you look at, at Jamie's husband, Tommy, and our community ministry side, you know, from uh, things that he's asking people to do from teaching schools or not teaching, but um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, mentoring, mentoring in school reading and reading in school, do. those kind of things mm-hmm. that, that we have the opportunity in, in our schools that we do. That's a great way mm-hmm. for women to get involved mm-hmm. and, and be a part of the ministry of Calvary. Um, and then all the other ministries we do from from the Ark, well, not the Ark, from, but from the Harbor, uh, from Wargrass Hope, Hope Group. Yeah. You know, there, we have a lot of ladies who really take those as this is how I'm going to be involved in my community is doing these kind of things that we have we have put out there. So, so I, I think the first way that I would answer that question is the missions and the ministry effort that we have at Calvary. Um, and then, of course, you know, we know the we know the things of of Calvary that that really the backbone is our women. You know, we know that Joyce relies on. I don't know how, I wouldn't give a percentage, but she relies on the ladies of the church to help mm-hmm. her in preschool. Zach relies on that in children's ministry. And even through student ministry, you know, I have, I've had girls, uh, I've had the student, the high school girls at my house the last couple of years for D groups. And there's some strong ladies that lead that ministry well. Um, and so I've seen them up front or close up them doing the ministry there. So there's, there's all kinds of things that I think women can really help and once again, I think it's really back to that older women teaching younger women. Sometimes the older woman's a 25-year-old, right. you know, because it's a 15-year-old. So. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And, and circling back to that idea of mentoring, um, you know, without naming names and specific examples, I'm sure we could come up with some just from conversations we've had in staff and things. But we would, I think we would say the teaching of the Word from the pastor's elders is absolutely critical. It's necessary, but it's not sufficient um, and we've seen that again and again. If if people don't have someone in their life that they can go to, that they can talk to, that can encourage them when they're really struggling or lovingly correct them or challenge wrong thinking or wrong belief, come alongside them and pray with them, someone to just bring the stuff to bear, you know, help them understand what this means, how to live this, and say, I'm with you. And, you know, all those biblical images that we see, when they fall, you lift them up. Um, when when they need prayer, you're praying. You know that sort of life on life mentoring. I know we use those phrases a lot, but I'm telling you, it's critical. I can think of a number of people. Um, I can think of a number of women, even in the last several years, that have come through. And again, we're offering good teaching, and we're offering quality um, programming in small groups and things. But if they don't have somebody to connect with, if they don't have a life, then um, then they struggle. And I, that's just how God made us. I think. I mean. As I was studying that text from 2 Timothy, just the reminder of how inherently relational Christianity is supposed to be. And um, if any of if anybody's listening to this, any of the women in our church are listening, even if it's not a specific title or role, to get involved in the life of another person is the most that's the most critical ministry, I think. Jamie, what can we be doing to to kind of stir this, to to leverage more women into service ministry? finding places to serve, to get more participation. Um, how can we do better at that? I think uh, just giving them, you know, identifying those people with certain gifts and then giving them um, the training and the time and place to serve. So, I mean, if you go back to 1 Corinthians 12, like we're both gifted with spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters. 
Matthew 28, we are both called to obey the Great Commission and make disciples. And so, um, you know, I don't think it has to look like necessarily a women's event, but it's it's ministry to women. Um, yeah, I think some of the, also, Jamie, I'd add to that is, you know, I was thinking through more more of the ideas of what women can do, and and it's it's no different than what the men do. Exactly. You know, I'm I'm sitting in worship, or we're about to have worship on Sunday, and I have a, a a lady come up to me and say, "Hey, come here! I want you to meet this new family." Well, what's that lady doing? She's she's serving as a, as hospitality, if you want to say that, in service with guests. I mean, that's mm-hmm. an awesome thing that, mm-hmm. that the ladies of the church can do. Men should be doing that as well. So it's, it's just, it's kind of like, let's just all do this together. There are a lot of things that we can do together, the men and the women of the church, um, that, and, and we need both to be able to do it well. Jamie, tell us a little bit more. This is kind of reviewing, but how the prayer initiative got started last year, or this, actually that was this year, it seems like a year's past, this <laughs> early this year, in January this year, and kind of what's coming next. Um, Yeah, so this past uh, February, we committed to pray together as women for our church. And so we prayed for our ministries, our congregation, our mission partners. Uh, We actually compiled a book with some devotionals and prayer prompts to kind of guide our women through that process. And so we plan to use that resource again, um, probably in January of this next year, and add a fasting component. So we are excited about that. Also, we established a prayer team. So with the help of Kathy Folsom, we had a group of women that agreed to pray for every woman in our church by name um, on their birthday. So they had a list, and they prayed for each woman, sent them a birthday card, let them know they were being prayed for. So just a sweet ministry um, there, and we have a new coordinator for that, Beth Mahone. So we're excited about that for this next year and just how God is going to work through the prayers of his people. And sometimes we're negligent, not intentionally, it's a benign negligence, but when we're planning out services and things and we're looking for people to uh, give a benediction, read a scripture, um, pray a prayer of adoration or prayer of confession, that sort of thing, part of our unintentional bias, I think, has us tilting towards men most of the time in those because that's what we've done typically. But we're really trying to be more intentional about including women in all those spots. Um, So if you're listening and and you'd be willing, sometimes you just have to... You just have to speak up a little bit because we're not intentionally ignoring you. We just... Um, I think we, we want to be invited into those spaces. <clears throat> so, you know, we do believe that there's a there's a pastor elder office reserved for men, right? And a qualified men. Uh, but there are so many places where women can and should serve. And we want to equip and encourage them to do that. And so, but I think if sometimes if... If we focus on the one thing they can't do, and if that's all women here, we can get discouraged and even a little little fearful of saying, I have a desire maybe to pray out loud in a mixed group. But but we're, we're kind of scared that that's going to look like one step towards overstepping. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so I think just inviting us into those places and letting us know that, um, yes, we want you here and you're valuable and you're an essential part of what we're doing, um, I think is critical for women today. Yeah, I think we can back that up with teaching too. Just making sure people understand. No, this is this is good. This is what yes. we want. Um, you know, Charles, we were both at the at the annual meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention this summer, and of course, we're there while it's happening, and we're seeing this stuff that's happening on the floor, and we're there as part of the discussions. We're also looking at coverage happening in real time, so things on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that was just so mystifying mystifying is not the right word. Frustrating leaving the convention is how. It was handled, or no, how it was covered wrongly. So it paints a picture. It's not true going out. So I'm afraid as we were leaving the convention, we painted this picture that those who are conservative, conservative in the sense that we believe, as Jamie just said, and we would agree that the office of elder, pastor elder, is biblically reserved for men, 
that the convention was really making a hard shift to be anti-women. But you know, that's, that really wasn't the tenor at all of the meeting. I mean, it really wasn't at all. And so anybody covering it that way is either dishonest or has an agenda that they're pushing or really is just ignorant of what really took place. But Charles, speak to that a little bit. I, I found really the, the meeting was very respectful, encouraging yeah. um, for women. There were a number of women who spoke up and just and said you know, just great things, some powerful yeah. things. And it's not a shift to make less of women, I don't think. So maybe what, what was your take on yeah, coming out was, of that? Well, I was hoping you were going to ask Jamie that question. Um, even though she wasn't, I wasn't there, there. I, I would love to hear her uh, take on what what uh, she saw from afterwards. But, you know, because it was, it was just, it was bewildering. I mean, you're sitting there listening to the positive comments from uh, people that we agree with, people that we trust uh, in ministry uh, in the room, and the vote went in a way that was positive towards that, and there was never anything there was never any comment in there that was negative towards women of serving in ministry at all, at all. The only, uh, only thing that was said was that this position, like we've just said. So um, to hear that come out then that, uh, you know, now women can't share the gospel anymore. Sorry, they're, they're not allowed to be missionaries. All these things. Yeah. It was just so mm-hmm. frustrating to hear that because... We can thank our friend Rick Warren for a lot of that bizarro spin that came out yeah, of there. So, so Jamie, what, would, what did you... Did you understand that that was not the take coming out of there did you hear any of that yeah, I'm, I'm just curious what did you pick up on just you know, honestly the coverage in media? I had mixed feelings because I did read um and I had to kind of do I had to I had to make sure I was reading both sides yeah and not just getting one picture because I think sometimes we can just we can follow especially things on social media we can find our tribe and we can just read what they say and, and it sounds right but I, th- I had to be careful to say let me go read this person's take on this yeah. and kind of mesh them together and um it is a sensitive topic. I will say that for women. There is just a lot out there about, you know, I guess what women can't do. And and that's my thing is let's just focus on what we can do and encourage and equip women to do that within the bounds of Scripture, of course. Um, so, yeah, th- there was a there was a lot out there that I think maybe it was – again, I wasn't there, but was it was discouraging. And I don't know if it was the, the tone. Um, sometimes it can be – the way it feels, um, yeah. which I know is a very womanly thing to say. No, but no, the tone on Twitter definitely. You're there. right about that. There, there was definitely. I mean, there's there was some hard, hardcore negativity. You know, on one side, you know, there's some some really just far right kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and of course, those people seem to have the loudest Twitter voices. Yes, right. And then I think there was just some from some of the pastors that have well-known names and large followings that really misrepresented. Mm-hmm. What took place there, okay. and what was what was happening there? Yeah, they want to use it as a hammer. I mean, really and truly, what hammer can I find? Here's a hammer we right. can use but, but on the, this. But the theme, really, I you know, to me, the theme was really pretty straightforward, pretty pretty clear cut. We're trying to preserve this this role. Not you know, we're not talking about missions, evangelism, um, a voice in the church, you know, teaching, leading, sharing, and you know, really, there are some parallels for what we would what we'd encourage women to do and what we'd encourage men to do. Like, you know, Jamie, for me to say to you, I think your most important role as a discipler is with your, with your own children, you know, you homeschool and that's part of it, but that, you know, education, training, development. But I would say the same thing to Charles as a pastoral staff, his most important ministry is to his own family, disciple your own family. Well, and then Lord willing, as you have influence with your children's friends and their peers to extend the influence there and to then to their parents and things like that. Again, those are, those are parallels, but uh, but I digress. You know, I, I want to make sure our women here know we want you to be plugged in, and and we're gonna be we're gonna be trying to tap you to do that, you know, more more and more. Yeah, and and I've, you know, 
I really enjoyed, you know, Jamie also, uh, you didn't mention this in your bio. I'm not sure why, but uh, Jamie also was in my life group. I was her I'm life sorry. group teacher for years, for a couple of years. So I, I, learned said, I think it was right? that long. Yeah. So. I thought you were going to say she did your taxes. No, 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 no. Um, but uh, no, but, uh, you know, some of the conversations we had in life group, you know, there's just as much of the women participating mm-hmm. in those conversations as mm-hmm. there were with men. And that was, that's so beneficial and helpful mm-hmm. in those settings. Yes, I was the teacher, so to speak, but we run those we want our small groups to be more discussion-based application of the scripture that Paul's preached, you know? And so that's a, a beautiful environment for, for women mm-hmm. to help us all learn together as we go down the, right. those roads. So I thought the, the discussions we had were never, um, they were always, you know, open for both, both sexes to speak. Yes. I mean, the term the New Testament uses the most often is brothers and sisters, right? Like we are together. And I think we do share more in common than we, than our differences. And so, Yes, we have unique needs, and, and that's why we have women's ministry, but for the most part, we work together. We're, we're flourishing on both ends so that we can come together and, and be healthy. Um, you know, I will say that sometimes women's ministry kind of in general can focus solely on being like a godly wife and mother, and I think there's this myth out there that, that marriage and motherhood is like a woman's highest calling, um, and it's not. You know, it's a Christian woman's highest calling is the same thing as a Christian man's highest calling, right? It is to be conformed to the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as a follower of King Jesus, I am to obey him and serve him and share him with those he puts in my path. And so you may say that you probably have your own definition of that or the great commandment and the great commission or glorify God and enjoy him forever, right? Those all point to our primary purpose. Um, but, you know, as a female, that might look like being a godly wife and mother. It might look like being a godly single woman or a godly woman without children. Um, it might look like a godly mom, you know, teaching her children at home, but it could also look like a godly woman using her gifts in, the, in her career or her workplace. And so, you know, women's lives are very seasonal, and we, we tend to adjust to what season we're in. So certainly if you are married and blessed with young children, then your party should be your home. Um, but I think we have to be careful, and we try to define exactly what that looks like. And I think that can happen sometimes in women's spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, we try to take something that may be unique to, you know, our location, our time period, or just even our situation, and uh, apply it to all women like like a biblical mandate. And uh, we just we can't do that. You know, those are usually t- clear in Scripture, and and they're timeless. They they go across uh, cultures. So. We have to keep in mind what our highest uh, calling really is. Yeah, yeah I would I, I would say to glorify God is is the ultimate, and like you said, that's mm-hmm. the work that He's doing in us that that relentless work of sanctification to make us like Christ is is the ultimate aim, and that's what we're partnering with mm-hmm. with each other. Um, what do you think the biggest challenges are right now? And and I know that's a huge huge question, but you know I think about often in, in preaching, I can more naturally. Um, move towards the challenges I see facing men right now in the culture that we're in. You know, so I'm challenging men to step up, to be courageous, to to be to be bold, to be protector, defenders of faith and family and church and and those kind of things. What, where do you see the really big challenges right now? Because I mean, it's clear in so many ways that our culture is off the rails and the times are unprecedented. So, with all the challenges that you see, where where do you see women? facing the biggest struggles right now? Yeah, I think uh, tribalism, maybe. Just we kind of group around this one idea or this one thing, or especially with motherhood, there's like mommy wars, you know. It's it's 
how are you going to feed your child? Are you going to make their make your own baby food? Are you going to buy it? Are you going to how are you going to educate them? Are you going to homeschool or Christian school or public school? And they can just create division. And so, I think we just need to again go back to uh, scripture and focus on what the main thing is, and not be divided among. Um, we need to show grace to each other and and with those wisdom decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, purity uh, is huge right now, and the whole sexual identity. Um, I mean, that affects women um, for sure, just like it does men. So I think that's a, a huge challenge. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that because you know one of the open classes that we're starting in the fall is for men and purity, and it's it's designed as a, a preventer of as much as possible, so that one men can have the the, the tools, resources. Um, that will be helpful for them to pursue purity, but also so they can train up and, and develop their own sons towards purity. But when, when we share that via podcast a couple of weeks ago, one of the uh, bits of feedback I got, you know, that's not just a male issue. Absolutely. And increasingly, and I'm not, I'm not privy to all the stats on this, probably wouldn't be hard to pull up, but even things like pornography, et cetera, that's no longer a particularly male domain. And so, you know, those challenges, and they're just everywhere. It's just so pervasive. And, you know, I think about you with, with young daughters and, and, you know, how do you, how do we help, how do we help not just our men, but help our families, help our, our help our women. And then I feel a unique response, well, not responsibility, I feel a unique burden is more the word for those single moms who have to do all this by themselves for both sons and daughters who don't have the support of a right, husband at home. Right. Maybe we'll do a class in the spring for women. Purity for women, yeah, <laughs> and, and how to how to help our daughters walk in that. So, yeah. just just so many so many challenges. So, Jamie, as we as we wrap this up, we wanted to really just to we wanted to hear about what's happening in women's ministry a little bit. So, I know we hit some of the highlights. We kind of skimmed the surface on some of the opportunities. There are opportunities in worship services, opportunities in prayer ministry, both for and among women, but also congregational. Opportunities to teach, too. Jamie, can you hit on that just a little bit? If, if some women are listening and say, you know, I really feel like God's gifted me to handle the Word well, to teach the Word, what should they do next? Where where would a woman here at Calvary go who yes, feels like I want to teach? me or Joyce or anyone on our team. Uh, we would love to sit down and talk with you. And even if you don't feel adequate yet for that, but you have a heart for it and you have a desire for it, we've got, there's some excellent training materials that are available. Um, some that are online, some that we can, you know, help you walk through. So just some good options there. But yeah, we would love to sit down and, and get you plugged in and um, even, you know, help provide some training in that area. And let me throw this out there too, and I hope this will be received in the spirit in which it's offered. This is not out of any sort of arrogance on our part or Calvary's part, but we really feel strongly that part of our trajectory as a church, what God's equipping us to do and what God's calling us to do, is we really want to be a training center. We want to do more than just meet the immediate needs of our own congregation, even though that's obviously comes first, our own people. But we feel, both for men and women, leadership as a whole, we really feel God challenging us to step up in terms of training and development because we want to be a resource. Again, that's not out of pride. It's out of necessity, I think, because we just see the needs in so many places. Like, we would love to be able to to train up women who, and these conferences that we've been a part of, some of those have been great and, and good material, good speakers, that sort of thing. I would love to see us get to the point where a local church that lacks the resources and sends a number of women off to a conference out of state could call a couple of our women mm-hmm. teachers and say, could you lead a, a women's mm-hmm. conference for us? We say, absolutely. Could you come and provide training for us? Absolutely. Uh, could you come and, and help develop our teachers? You know, absolutely. We want to be doing as much as we can as we move forward as a church into training up and sending out 
leaders, qualified leaders. And Charles, you know, that's something that we're trying to do, again, just across the board and, and really trying to focus on, okay, how can we better do this? You know, we, we picked up a phrase when we were at the Nine Marks weekend or about uh, red light, green light kind mm-hmm. of churches. Yep. You know, red light churches have to import everybody. You know, if you want someone to lead your women's ministry, then you gotta, you got to find somebody. you got to hire them somewhere. Mm-hmm. you got to see who can do this. Same thing with men or, or students or whatever it may be. But a church, a green light church, is a church that's intentionally raising up, developing, deploying their own in their in their own context, but also sending them out. So that's really part of a that's really part of an aim that we have. Well, yeah, that's I, exciting. I, I hope we can you know really be training in lots of different areas if it's helping other churches and and do lots of things, and then even you know as we look down the road and start thinking about church planning that um, you know we're doing it ourselves, and it's not just a you know last time even when we started, and I know this is off topic, but when we started our other our last church plan in New York with Steve and Tony, you know, it was, it was Steve and Tony. And I hope next time that we do a church plant that it's, it's close enough local wise, you know, not, mm-hmm. not on Montezuma Avenue, obviously, but that we could actually send a group of people to start a church, you know, but they need to be trained all the way through to do these kind of things that Jamie's talking about from the women's side and the men's side. So, so yeah, I hope we, we increase that and, and we give those opportunities. And that's a lot for us as a staff to, to think about and the staff to come up with ways to do that. Cause That'll be new territory for us, but I think that's exciting for me um, to look at the next few years to looking at being a training center for for those going out. And my last big challenge, I think, for the women in our women's ministry and anybody who would come and be a part of it is, is to develop women who will be writing. I, you know, mm-hmm. I would love to see that happening where, um, like the Roman study, that we're writing our own curriculum. We're writing studies for women. We're writing we're writing studies on prayer. We're we would love a, to do that, and that's just. Again, it takes time and training, um, but when you get there, I think then you're able to write resources that do line up with the doctrine of our church. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the reason we are united in that. And so to have resources that um, are tailored specific to you know our church and our women would be huge. Um, and Jamie, I don't know if this is the time or place for it, but let me just give this sort of qualifier. So some of you are going to be starting the Romans Bible study. And you're going to notice that a lot of the endorsements are Presbyterian. I think the author is from a, a Presbyterian church or a Reformed church. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think Christ Covenant is part of PCA anymore. But anyway, just wanted to speak to that. Deal with the text that you see in front of you, mm-hmm. and even being presented with some things that challenge your thinking, or even different than what we believe, because you're going to find some differences when it comes to baptism. You may find some differences when it comes to soteriology in your thinking when you get to chapters 8, 9, and 10 of Romans, that sort of thing. It's a, it's a book that deals well with the text. And so deal with the text, and whatever differences you have, this is the same thing I, I encourage people when I was teaching through Romans on Sunday mornings, engage the text, not the tradition, not the emotion, um, not your own feelings or thoughts about it as much as what, but what does the word say? Let's let the word guide our discussions. And so don't be uh, concerned or, or fearful about that. It's just an opportunity to to study and, and to learn. And I find like right now I'm starting to study up on some eschatology because I've got some teaching coming up on that and to read different takes and different perspectives mm-hmm. from people who I think are good and godly and, and whom I respect, but who see it differently. The, the net result of that is sharpening. sharpening. It just yeah. sharpens. And so if the fruit of this can be, hey, it just helped me, it helped me understand the text better, then great. <laughs> if it challenged some of your thinking and it caused you to conform to the text differently than where you were, then great. But let the text guide it, and, um, and I think you'll find that the material will be super fruitful in that regard. 
Yeah, so, so Jamie, plug Romans, that study again. When, when are those classes Yes, meeting? we are excited about doing that on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings. So um, it will be a workbook, like we said, with homework. So that's a little different than our other open classes. Uh, you can go ahead and pick those up in our resource center. And I will say that if, if you look at it and it kind of overwhelms you and you think there's no way I can, I can do all that each week, um, do what you can. If anything, repetitively read Romans. You know, just read Romans. Um, over and over again and and just come anyway I think you'll be blessed just by the conversation you know come with your questions come with your insights and we're just going to learn uh, it'll be heavy on discussion and we're just going to kind of learn from and with one another yeah. of course child care is available because it is during our normal you know uh, church service time so that's there for you so we would love to have you join us for that yeah so all of our open classes just to make sure everybody knows we're the the beginning of those classes that'll be on Sunday and on Wednesday will begin in the rock, in what we call maybe the rock lobby, if you like my word choice. And there's plenty of others out there. But uh, anyway, the area with the tables down at the rock is where we're going to gather and just give a maybe an announcement and pray, and then we'll go to classes. And that Romans group, that Romans class, will be one of those open classes. And then also to the resource center, which is right down there in the same area. You know, there doesn't have to be somebody there to buy a book. Um, it is self, uh, I guess, self checkout, you know, kind of yes. think of self checkout, uh, very easy. I did one last week to buy a t-shirt and I was able to accomplish it with no help. So I think <laughs> everybody can. So just, uh, Justin's handled that well for us. So, and there uh, is a QR code that Justin was telling me about too. So just in case the iPad doesn't work or something, you can scan your QR code on your phone yeah. and check out that way. So we try to make that easy. Yeah. So it's, it's always there for you. So, um, anytime you're in church, go down to the the resource center and, and pick those up and then open classes start right after labor day so wednesday after labor day will be the first uh, the first wednesday night classes and then the next sunday the, the 10th is when they start on sunday morning if you've got any questions you want to ask about women's ministry or how to get involved uh, just shoot a text that the contact person liaison from staff to women's ministry is joyce you can email any questions about women's ministry to joyce at calvarydothan.com and, of course, any of the women's ministry team, I know Jamie would be happy to meet with you, speak with you. Um, you can find her easily on a Sunday. And I uh, would love to get any feedback that you have. And anything else you want to talk about on this subject, just shoot us an email here at po- uh, podcast at calvarydothan.com, and we'd love to hear from you and uh, and talk about this some more. So, Jamie, thanks for hanging out with us today and talking with us on this. Yeah, and, thanks uh, for letting me serve in this way and having me on the podcast. All right, great. Well, as always, uh, we are for God, we are for Dothan, and we're for the world. We look forward to talking to you again soon.